Very few things are more deadly than an assassin. This is because an assassin is a killer hidden in plain sight. Sometimes the death is instantaneous, like a high-profile assassination. Or it can be a slow poisoning over time that deteriorates the body until it cannot fight back. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and foes, I present to you one of the deadliest adversaries you will ever face. An adversary you have been facing much longer than you can imagine. I present to you modernity. If you want to hear the anti-modern thesis, search for episode 3. But if you don't think you have the time, another tenet of modernity might I add, then feel free to carry on. You're a smart crowd. After all, you made it this far. Let's get into it. on the decline would you believe nothing to see here right well not really there's something to see here so let's get into it as we were preparing for this week's show we talked quite a bit about the divorce numbers which made me move my opening monologue to the end of the show pay attention to the numbers when mumbi is giving them it can it can get a bit boring but you know just flow with it hear them they're interesting it is interesting to note that men filed for divorce more than women in the towns and provinces that have a lot of economic activity, the richer towns, Lusaka and the Copper Belt in particular. This is not to place any particular or definite comments on the statistics. Instead, I bring it up to show that statistics alone do not show what is actually going on on the ground. God made the world such that so many things are interconnected and we should not read too much into any single statistic. Though it is interesting. Why is marriage on the decline across the globe, but even here in Zambia? You might be quick to say, marriage is not on the decline. I heard the numbers. We had fewer divorces filed in 2021 than we did in 2020, which had even fewer divorces than 2019. Yes. But like the doctor, we need to see the symptoms, the environment, and plot the trajectory. This is the calm before the storm. This demise in marriage that has begun but is not yet a colossal mess like it is for our friends in the West, has a lot to do with capitalism and contracts. Capitalism being one of the four horsemen of modernity. Capitalism brings with it a mindset that says, if you do not like something, you can stop paying for it and get another one. You don't like this kettle? Get rid of it. Get another one. You don't like this car? Sell it. Get another one. You don't like your dog? Get rid of it. Get another one. Suffering should not be an option. You can leave. You go, girl. Happiness is on the horizon and the more common, yas, queen. But capitalism is just the tip of the iceberg. As I see it, the bulk of the iceberg is because of contracts. As people see it, marriage is a contract ratified by the state. Heck, we even take copies of our marriage contract to them for their records. And so, if marriage is a contract, then it can be terminated just like all the other contracts, right? Right? The only way out of this is if we realize that marriage is more than just a contract. Though, strictly speaking, I am taking it for granted that we want to get out of this mess. Hmm. Hmm. I propose we look at the scoreboard. How is the West faring with the demise of marriage on the horizon? Better or worse? 
Hmm. I guess we need to ask them what a woman is. Maybe that will figure, help us figure it out. Back to the topic. The only way out of this mind is if we realize that marriage is more than just a contract. But it can be. It can't be more than just a contract because what else is there? This is what the modern secular mind thinks. What is beyond a contract? Is it an agreement or an arrangement? Unfortunately, all other alternatives they come up with to marriage, alternatives to marriage as a contract, result in more damage rather than less. Think about it again. Has cohabiting resulted in longer, fewer, and more consistent relationships? Or has the inverse happened? Check the scoreboard. So what is marriage, if not a contract? Well, marriage is a covenant in that it is not primarily ratified by the state, but by God instead. This means it is different from your run-of-the-mill contract, regardless of how many pages of legal speak you put into it. The marriage vows mean something, and they are concrete because they are being witnessed and ratified by God. But, but, I am not happy. Work it out. Husband, love your wife. Wife, submit to your husband. Children, obey your parents. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Work it out. We have bought into the lie of modernity and turned marriage into nothing more than a contract. And so it makes sense that one person walks into the bedroom and tells the other person, I quit effective immediately. The papers will be drafted tomorrow. Are you serious? It is a covenant. Your vows meant something. I hate my wife. Stop it. Go and love your wife. We don't like each other anymore, for better or for worse. He is too much for me and has become a bum that does nothing, for richer or for poorer. I need to live my life. I cannot be turned into a 20-something-year-old nurse for the rest of my life, in sickness and in health. My mental health, for better or for worse. What God presents us with here is a covenant that requires us to work things out because this is more than just a contract. There is a lot more going on than two people having a tiff. Marriage is a representation of Christ and his bride, the church. That is what makes it mean more. Christ would never abandon his bride, and the bride would never have loyalty and respect for no one or anyone more than her husband. None of this is easy. Heck, life isn't easy. As a famous quote puts it, life is hard, and then you die. Contrary to popular belief, your, option, your options do not include breaking the covenant. If there is abuse, get the criminal tried by the courts and punished. But what if the other person is in prison for 20 years? For better or for worse. Over to Mumbi. Like sands through the hourglass, this is another episode of news on Anti-Modern. To kick things off, this headline from the Zambia Daily Mail dated January 3, 2022. 22,000 want divorce as distressed men and women flood local courts to end marriages. For some context, 22,543 cases were recorded in 2021 and 25,851 were recorded in 2020. Reasons given include lack of conjugal rights, adultery, gender-based violence, insults, alcohol abuse, impotence, 
and cruelty. The marriage durations varied from 30 days to 65 years. Here are some statistics from the article. By province, we have Eastern Province coming in with 4,441 cases, Lusaka having 3,819 cases, Western Province having 3,191 cases, Northern Province having 1,730 cases, Northwestern Province having 1,250 cases, Central Province having 1,250 cases, Luapula having 996 cases, while Muchinga had 524 cases. Now, breaking these statistics down by gender, in Eastern Province, women filed 2,952 cases, while men filed 1,489 cases. Lusaka Province, women filed 1,337 cases, while men filed 2,482 cases. Western Province, women filed 578 cases, while men filed 2,613 cases. On the Copper Belt, Kitwe District recorded a total of 1,722 filings, of which women filed 517 cases, while men filed 1,205 cases. Ndola District recorded 1,271 cases, of which women filed 786 cases, while men filed 488 cases. In Northern Province, Women filed 1,006 cases, while men filed 724 cases. In Wapula province, women filed 705 cases, while men filed 291 cases. In Northwestern province, women filed 800 cases, while men filed 450 cases. And in Muchinga province, women filed 303 cases, while men filed 221 cases. It was also noted that COVID-19 and the effects of COVID-19 also played a role in these statistics. Heavy, heavy stuff. Moving to our next article, local artist J-Rocks has urged the Zambian government to implement a policy where big clubs are mandated to play at least 60% Zambian music. What am I reading here? Uh, reasons given was that such a policy would provide local musicians with much-needed exposure. Hmm, you know what? If this was passed, I have a proposal to make concerning the other 40%. So what we can do is that 60% can be Zambian music, then 10% can be rumba, 10% can be rave, 8% can be orchestral music so that we are cultured, 5% can be Mongolian throat singing, the other 5% can be those recordings from those Olendo phone calls. And 2% can be death metal. Hashtag equality. Moving on. The Electoral Commission of Zambia earlier on cancelled the Kawata by election after the withdrawal of United Progressive Party candidate Francis Libanda. The ECZ has since cancelled campaigns in Kawata, meaning Kawata residents can expect the loud campaign music to be replaced by their regular loud music. For those in the back, Kawata is loud. Like, always. Moving on. The Ministry of Health has stopped mass COVID-19 testing due to fears that test kits will run out. 
This has been attributed to the large local and global demand for testing. The Minister of Health stated that the testing criteria will be revised to focus on individuals exhibiting symptoms. The minister further stated that since one in every three Zambians is COVID infected, the move to focused testing is simply a logical one. Now, moving on to a heavier section of today's news. Lusaka businessman Robert Taisili, a Burundian, was shot dead by an identified gunman while in his shop in Chanida Township. In a statement by police spokesperson Ray Hamonga, Mr. Taisili was fatally shot dead in the head while his worker, Fabrice Natakirutimana, was shot in the stomach and is battling for his life in the UTH. Truly sad. And for the final news item on today's episode, police arrested a 57-year-old man for allegedly beating his 40-year-old wife to death. In a statement released by Copperbelt Province Acting Copperbelt Division Commanding Officer Thresford Kasale, Chatson Ngosa of Kitwes Mulenga Township is alleged to have murdered his wife, Helen Mwape, using a pickaxe handle. Mr. Kasale said that Ms. Mwape was rushed to hospital by her son where she was pronounced dead on arrival. To close off this section, this week's Bible reading is coming from Isaiah chapter 5 from verse 20 to 23, which reads, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. And with that, we thank you for joining us this week. Until next time. Why nothing will change in 2022. With it being the beginning of the year, I've had a lot of conversations around New Year's resolutions. The conversations tend to be one of two extremes. Extreme number one does not believe in them. New Year's is just another day and nothing special happens that will bring about change, so no resolutions. Besides, I'm not a 12-year-old girl. Extreme number two believes doubling down on things is the answer. Get the schedule in. Plan everything so that I can get better this year. These are the people who posted hashtag beast mode images and videos on their social media over the last two weeks. Remember them? The trap. Both extremes fall into the same trap because resolutions, New Year's or otherwise, are inevitable. We all notice things that are wrong or points of failure that need to be addressed in our lives and make some level of commitment to address them. Only perfect people live lives free of resolutions and the world has only known one perfect person. His perfection was too much for us, so we killed him. The inevitable nature of this is lost on on extreme number one because they think not articulating it is the same as avoiding it. All they manage to do with this strategy is live lives of perpetual failure. Everyone has a target. You not knowing yours simply means you will always miss it. Extreme number two falls into the trap of thinking doubling down is the answer to the problem. They are the ones who ironically tend to think the only thing that will make them happy is more of what is not making them happy now. They believe the lie. The lie that system, structure, or freedom and liberation is the answer to their problems. It isn't. Most people tend to realize that by the third month, the really stubborn ones realize it in the fourth. 
You might think this criticism is for only for non-Christians, as though your resolution to read through the whole Bible this year alleviates you from this problem, extreme two, or reading the Bible every day at your own pace rather than some strict program because freedom from religious stuff is liberating, extreme one. Sorry to break it to you, but you are falling into the exact same trap. If you are not so blind to this reality, you would actually have the time to say hi to your fellow cellmates. Law and grace. The problem here is we do not understand law and grace, the two things that God communicates to us through the scriptures as the solution to our problem. This is because we do not understand that we have an actual problem. Our need for resolutions isn't because we are slightly off and need to get better. No, you have an actual problem. Your lack of discipline is because you have a problem. The world at large does not know what the problem is, which is why they offer more programs and more salad dressing in the hope that it papers over the problem. They genuinely think that will fix it. Unfortunately, that cannot fix it because the world doesn't know, even know what it is. They wouldn't know what it was if God gave Ten Commandments describing it for them. Thankfully, God was gracious enough to label it. It is sin, and it is purged through the right use of law and grace. If you are tracking with me, you'll see that extreme number one thinks they are all of grace and that the law is the problem. Extreme number two is all of law and that grace is the problem. If only there was a book that they could read that would help them understand that they need both through the Lord Jesus Christ. More on that later. Because our sinful nature wants nothing to do with God, we think we can get the balance of law and grace on our own. Thinking we are wise, we became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images shaped like man that could never satisfy our actual need. This is why we develop ideas like cheat days when law takes a break and grace walks in to play for a while or some sort of work-life balance. What a horrific idea. Everywhere we look, we see examples of the fact that we do not know what our problem is. We don't know what it is, and that is why it is never really addressed, let alone fixed. Why do you have to do that? I'm just about to lose a reader or two because they see me and assume I'm smuggling God into the discussion. Can't you just deal with the problem without bringing in all this religious nonsense? Right on cue. You prove that you don't get what it is. You try so hard to keep God on the shelf and deal with the real life issues and thus deal with the problem only at a surface level. So the impulsive eater might stop eating but the impulsive nature moves somewhere else and causes even more havoc there. Don't be fooled by the meadows and certificates of completion. It has not been solved. You have a problem because you have an actual problem, and that problem is sin. You want your own way and not God's, so you reject his standard and pick your own all the time. What God has provided us with is a life through which we engage law and grace. By walking rightly with him, we see the law and its ability to expose sin where it is manifest, but also to give life its right proportion. It is not about balance. It was never about balance. Some things have to be abandoned completely because they are sinful. Others need, need to be resisted in order to be able to handle them in their right proportions because they are not sinful. While others need to be embraced because they are good, even though they have the potential to hurt us. It is just as wrong to call something evil that God has called not evil as it is to call something good that God has called evil. Either way, God gets to set the terms, and so we need to look at our problems through his framework and not ours. The reality of things is that I did not sneak God in. You are the one that has been unsuccessfully trying to sneak God out. 
you are actually failing miserably at it. It is hard to kick out an omnipresent God. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You might think leaving God out of the resolution to lose weight is a good thing, but in reality, all you have successfully managed to do is make the yoke harder and the burden heavier. Thank you very much for tuning in to Anti-Modern or whatever tuning in looks like these days. If you have any questions or comments for us, things that you want us to tackle, uh, something you've seen in the news from the previous week that you'd like us to talk about in a future episode, you can tweet me at Mwansambewe um, or Mumbi at Mumbi Chishimba uh, on Twitter. We're also found on Facebook, Gab, and other places. Just search. Thank you very much. We will see you next time. <laughs>